That was awesome. I didn't even know it was Pastor's Appreciation Month. That was a surprise. Well done, team. I did not know that was happening. Thank you, everybody, for your appreciation. Me and everybody on our pastoral staff and, of course, our founding pastors. It's a joy to do what we do, and um, it's always great to be appreciated, but um, the reward is really ours. The blessing is more ours, I think, than yours for us to give out the way we do. Um, The Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. So as blessed as you all have been uh, to receive from our ministry, I can guarantee you it's been a greater blessing to give the ministry out. So uh, thank you all for being here. Um, We're going to get into the word. Happy birthday, mom. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm very blessed to have you in my life. I feel like we've grown up together. Um, she was very young when she had me, uh, 20, right? So yes, we were, we've, we've grown up together. It's been a great ride. Um, but yes, um, let's, let's, let's get into the word. I would love to run another round of that, build my life. I will build. that one more time. I will build. I will build my life upon your love. after me say the word of God is the bread of life may my heart conceive it and my life achieve it in the name of Jesus amen awesome well we are closing out we are in October last quarter of 2022 um, we have been focused on a particular theme all year, and that theme is called Withstanding the Wind. Withstanding the Wind has been the theme for our church during this year, and wind uh, is a metaphorical term for anything that causes opposition or resistance to your faith and your growth in God. All of us have been created by God. It doesn't matter what part of the world you come from, what your faith background is, whether you've heard the gospel or not, your race, your generation. Every human being has been created by God, and we've been created to be in close relationship with God. The scripture in Colossians says everything was created through Christ and for Christ. So not only were you created by God, but every human being on earth was created to be in a committed, 
and close relationship with God. And the winds of life are the winds that, that want to jeopardize or oppose that closeness from ever happening. Whenever we're experiencing the, the metaphorical winds, these are things that are designed to, to oppose and to prevent the closeness that we were created to have with our creator, with God. The origin of all winds, the mother of all winds, is the wind of sin. And sin is a, a separator from God. It acts like a wind, and it creates distance between God and the people that he created to be close to him. And the reason why sin is such a separator and it drives a wedge between us and God is because sin is the carried out desire and preference of a third party. And that third party's name is Satan. And Satan uh, is, a, is a, a created being. He was created to be an angel in the the uh, leadership of angels that, that worshiped God and, and carried out the things of God. His name was Lucifer, and he uh, hates God. He hates God, and there's a great origin story for why he has a bone to pick with God. Satan was, like I said, originally an angel, and he was in the presence of God. He actually had a leadership position amongst the angels. But uh, Lucifer, he, he allowed pride to enter his heart. And he became discontent with being under God. And he began to uh, marinate on this idea and this argument that he was able to be equal with God. So he made the decision to exalt himself to where he could be at equal standing with God instead of being under God. And by the time this was made clear to God and God took action by dismissing him from heaven, uh, Lucifer had already successfully gained a lot of influence amongst the angels. So when he was cast out, the word says that he took a third of the angels with him. And they were cast um, into, they were still in the heavenlies, but they had left the holies of holies, the presence where the other two-third angels and God resided. And ever since then, there's been vengeance in the heart of this fallen angel, Satan. He's been bitter He's been resentful, and he has had a plot to take vengeance against God. But there is this large issue, and that is Satan is still, at the end of the day, a created being. And he can't destroy his creator. Now, the creator can destroy Satan. God has the power to dismantle and destroy Satan, but Satan does not have the power to dismantle and destroy God. God is untouchable because all things were made by him, and he is God. So what Satan does is he has to settle for the next best thing. 
Um, the scripture makes it clear that human beings were created in God's own image. I would go as far to say as we are his finest masterpiece. We are his most prized possession, human beings. So the logic of the enemy is since I can't destroy God, I will try to do the next best thing, and that is to break his heart by seeing his most favorite creations turn against him. So every time we sin, it's like God watching his kids carry out the desires and the preferences of the one who hates him the most. He, Satan, he hates us, but it's not so much that he hates us. His issue's not really with us. We're pawns. We are pawns of a greater hate. A hate that God, Satan hates God way more than he hates us. But the reason why we're in the equation is because he knows how much God loves us. So he goes, well, what can, break heart, what can break God's heart the most? When he sees his most prized possession, choose the way, choose the preference, choose the will of his arch enemy, and that is Satan. And that's why sin by nature draws a wedge between us and our creator, because every time we sin, we are doing the preferred action and we are thinking the preferred thoughts of the one who hates God. And you, you can't follow through with sin and not find yourself on a current that will create distance, separation, tension, and disconnection between you and your creator. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, but we are all like un, an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and this is the part that I want to emphasize, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So the original wind that, that opposes your faith and your intimacy with God is sin. Isaiah describes sin. He describes iniquities and he compares it like wind that blows you and drifts you away from the one you created to be close with. Um, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, but your iniquities, there goes that word again, have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face, means God's face, from you so that he will not hear. Now, notice the wording. It says that our iniquities have separated us from God. God himself it's not the one saying, get away from me. I want to make that very clear. Scripture says that he's actually married to the backslider. Even when we sin, it's not God's heart to do away with us. Sin has a natural wind that drives you away itself. Sin does the work for you. It's not God saying, 
get away. Your sin actually pushes you away. It's the work of your iniquity that drives you away from God. And I want everyone to know that for those of you who've been convinced that because of your mistakes, God has rejected you. It's your sin that has driven you away, not the hand of God that has driven you away. Please remember, it was Adam that hid himself from God. In fact, the Bible says it was God saying, where are you, Adam? So God didn't say, Adam, go behind those leaves. I don't want to see you. It was Adam's sin that drove him away and caused him to separate from God. Another thing that we should realize that all these scriptures, that I, both of these scriptures that I read, it says that all of us have done this. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have made a decision at some point in your life that made Satan happier than God. All of us have made decisions in our lives one way or another that made Satan say yes and God say ouch. All of us have done it. All of us. Isaiah 53 verse 6 Isaiah 53, we're in Isaiah a lot, uh, verse 6. It says, all, everyone say all. all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, everyone say everyone, everyone. to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's say it one more time, all. This is where the good news comes in. This is where the good news is introduced, that last part where it says that all the iniquities that are, iniquity is another word for impurities, infirmities. It's another word for sin. It's, it's the infirmities that your sin produces. It's the impurities that your sin produces. It's the confusion that your sin produces. It's the, the, the dysfunction that your sin produces. Your sin produces fruit, and these fruit are things that, that, that really classify as what the word calls iniquities. And the good news of the gospel that's introduced in this passage in Isaiah is that God put all the iniquities that your sin produced and laid all of them on him, Capital H-I-M, and this is a reference to our Lord Jesus Christ, who came as the sacrificial lamb and allowed all of the iniquities in this room, all of the iniquities in your forefathers and generations, a thousand generations back, every iniquity in this city, every iniquity in this country, all the iniquities across the globe that have ever been produced by sin from Adam and Eve to Alvin Love the third. Every iniquity that has been produced, the word says, has been laid on one person. And that one person is the sacrificial lamb that we know as Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says he became sin. He was so covered in sin that the word says he actually became the curse. He personified it. He let all of it come upon him. And it was so evil and it was so dirty where the father had to turn his eyes away because he couldn't look at that much 
dirt, that much sin, that much iniquity, and he let the iniquity take him all the way down to the grave, and he rose from the grave on the third day, leaving all those iniquities down in hell where they belong, and he rose up with victory, and it was the introduction of salvation, it was the introduction of redemption for all mankind, and it also introduced a new Wind, and that is a wind called grace. We have the wind of sin that blows us away from God, but because of Jesus, there is a new wind in town, and that wind is called grace, and it blows in the opposite direction. Where sin blows you away from God, grace blows you back toward the God that created you. And this grace, the reason why people are clapping, because this grace is a gift. This grace is a gift. This is a gift that was purchased for us. There's nothing that any of you have done to earn it, to deserve it. It was purchased by somebody else before you were even walking this earth, and his name was Jesus. And because of his sacrifice, there was this gift of grace that offered uh, a reverse, like, I, I guess we could even call it a counter wind because the wind of sin is blowing us this way where God's over there. He's, it's blowing us this way and grace is the counter wind that offers a traffic, offers a current that goes back to the heart of God where we originally were created to be. Romans 5, 20, and I'm going to go into the very beginning of Romans 6. I'm going to read 21 through 21, and we'll go right into Romans 6, uh, 1 and 2, by the way. Moreover, it says, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6, 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then with an explanation point, he says, certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Now, the reason why I'm putting that in, and I think it needs to be coupled with the good news of grace because an important detail is introduced that will bring a lot of clarity and a lot of accuracy to our faith walk. The truth is the wind of sin and the wind of grace are blowing at the same time. Both currents are flowing as we speak. At this very second, there is someone drifting further away from God. And at this very second, there is someone who is driving closer and closer to God's heart. Both are happening at the same time. Think of it as like an interstate, I-65. There's, there's southbound traffic and there's northbound traffic. There's a group of people who are on cars driving down to Alabama, down to the Gulf, and there are people right now northbound driving towards Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana. It's the same highway, but there's two tracks happening at the same time. And what, the, what Paul is letting us know what the, what is, is that 
is that though both are available and though both are active at the same time, you can't go southbound and go northbound at the same time. So even though grace is flowing at this very moment, the reason why Paul says you can't keep sinning in the name of grace is because it's actually very practical. It's not even that theological. It's just directions. You can't go southbound and northbound at the same time. What happens when you're on the interstate and you're going south and you need to go north? You take the exit, you drive up, you cross the bridge, and then you get back on the interstate but go in a different direction. And that decision is key in flowing in the wind of grace. That decision is what we call repentance. Repentance is key. Repentance is the decision that all of us have to make to get off the current that has taken us away from God to hop on the current that's taken us back towards God. Without repentance, it's you are basically trying to go south and north at the same time. And that's why Paul says, certainly not. You can't do this. How in the world can you be on the wind of sin and going one way and still be on the wind of grace going towards God? We're deceiving ourselves if we believe that we can enjoy the wind of grace without the key decision of repentance. We've been talking a lot about wheat and chaff over the, over the past year and what separates, you know, a saint from a sinner. And I want you guys to know that what separates a saint from a sinner is not a matter of who sinned and who didn't. Because we've already clarified that all of us have sinned. All of us have done it. So becoming a saint from a sinner is not a matter of who sinned and who didn't. It's really a matter of who repented and who didn't. What separates a saint from a sinner is a matter of repentance. It's not a matter of who doesn't sin and who does because we all have done it. And let's be honest, most of us still have it in our lives. The Bible says whoever says they don't have sin is, is a liar. We all have some sort of sin in our life, but what separates saints from sinners is repentance. I want to talk about Judas for a minute because Judas... Um, kind of gets an in inaccurate rap. He, he, he's known as the, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. The one disciple who betrayed Jesus, and if that's what you believed about Judas, it's not true. He's one of a few disciples who betrayed Jesus. Judas was not the only person who betrayed Jesus. Judas was the only person who didn't repent. That's why he's in hell to this day, and that's why men like Peter, who denied Jesus three times, is known. The reason why we don't regard Peter as the one who betrayed Jesus is not because he didn't betray Jesus, but he repented. And when you repent, the, the, the wind of grace redeems and restores your life. We know Peter as the one that Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we know him as the, the Saint Peter who who was an incredible apostle. It changed the whole narrative of his life, not because he didn't betray Jesus, but the power of repentance will ricochet you back to a whole new direction, and it will change how you go down in history. Judas was not the only betrayer, but unlike Peter, he didn't repent. 
And when you don't repent, the wind of sin continues to drive you further and further away from God till you reach the ultimate destination, and that is death. And I'm not talking about biological death because both saints and sinners experience biological death. The death that sin produces in your life is eternal death where you are separated from God forever and ever. Forever. Sandlot reference. (laughs) 90s kids. This is what happens. So that's why I am letting you know that grace is the counterwind because, because oh, man, let me, let me get to this part. Are y'all cool? Are y'all good? Okay. Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Today, my encouragement for you is that you can't afford to continue on the wind of sin. You just can't. It, it is a force that each and every moment you will find a larger wedge separating you and the creator that you've been created to live in a committed, close relationship with. And, and I also want you guys to know that, that there is no sin that grace cannot overpower. There is no sin in your life that grace is not ready to overpower. There is no depth of sin that you can be in that the simple choice of repentance can't pull you out of. And I feel like I have to let you know that because I know the way the enemy talks to sinners. And there's people in this room that think you've messed up too far. You've gone too deep. And you're looking like, how in the world am I going to dig myself out of this hole? How in the world am I going to be able to stop the, the momentum that seems to be pushing me further and further and further and deeper into darkness? What in the world, what in the universe is, is strong enough to, to stop this momentum, this, this force that seems to be driving me deeper and deeper into despair? And I'm just letting you know that even though the enemy is making it seem so impossible, you are one exit ramp away from finding yourself on this and honestly the beautiful thing about the wind is I believe with the same force of wind that is driving you away from God when you repent it's like that same amount of force is now moved to push you and propel you closer to God, which is why sometimes it seems that some of the worst sinners turn into the greatest saints. And the reason why is because with that same fire, that same momentum, that same tenacity that they were going against God, the minute they repent, it's like that same force then begins to propel them right back, which is why we have people like Apostle Saul, Saul that went to Apostle Paul, there was a great wind that was moving him further and further into blindness, into pride, into arrogance, into ignorance. And when he had a revelation, it was like that same, that's why the Bible says that all things work together for those who love God and are called to, uh, work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because when you respond to the call, every force that was working against you somehow 
supernaturally begins to be the very force that propels you into everything that you were called to be. And I can't make sense of it, but it's the truth. I've experienced it, and so many of you have as well. And I also want to make sure I encourage, because, you know, that's, I was saying about the, 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 really rough sinners and they go, you know, that's why you hear the stories a lot of, you know, the, 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 the pimp that used to, that's now a pastor or, or, or the, the, you know, I don't know, the addict that is now an evangelist. You hear these stories so often because there was such a force that was against their life. And when they stepped into the wind of grace, that same power that was driving them to hell shoots them up to the heavenlies. And it's miraculous. And I praise God for the former pimps. And I praise God for the former addicts. At the same time, at the same time, at the same time, at the same time. I also know how low down the enemy is. And I've also been on the other side where if you haven't been a pimp, and if you haven't been addicted to drugs, you think that you can't be miraculous and great for God. And I've seen people say, well, since I haven't walked the streets or since I haven't shot heroin or since I wasn't a former atheist, then that means that I can't have a ministry as great as Paul. And that's a lie from hell as well. Because the truth is, the truth is all have sinned. Don't deceive yourself, those of you who have never been a pimp before. Don't think just because you've never walked the streets that you have this pure life. Paul never did drugs. Paul didn't sell his body. Paul, didn't, Paul was a fasting, praying sinner. Paul, Self-righteousness is just about, or if not more, deadly than being a pimp. And the reason why is because pimps know they're low down. They know that they are hellbound. But those of us who've lived self-sheltered lives and we've never dibbled and dabbled into the bad stuff, sometimes we are the most lost because we have deceived ourselves that our lack of doing bad things have made us righteous people. And I know, I, I, I know this because I've lived this. I've let the enemy say, oh, you've never done bad things, so therefore you're just going to have this boring Christianity life. And it made me go into things just so I can manipulate some kind of testimony, and it was so stupid. Because honestly, before I did any of those things, I was a wretch even in my purity. Even in my not doing bad things, the Bible says we all have sinned. And we have to make sure we repent from this culture that says sin is the, 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 you know, the typical six things that we think are the sins. All of us have sin. And when you get a revelation of that, that's why the Bible says to look to Jesus and not look to each other. We in the South, we in our country, we, we have built a relative righteousness to where as long as I'm not as bad as that person, I'm good. And that's what happens when you base your righteousness on the sins of others. Basically, all you have to be is in the same room of someone who's worse than you to feel like you're fine. 
That's why the Lord didn't say look to people. It says look to Jesus because when you see perfection, when you see purity, not relative purity, when you see absolute purity, even the person who hasn't done bad things still see themselves as stained with sin. Paul said I was more righteous than all of y'all, but he also said I was the worst sinner of all of you guys. So it doesn't matter if you've lived what you would call a pure shelter life or you have been a pimp. All of us have been on a wind of sin that has been driving us further from God. And the only thing that can counter that wind is when each person gets a revelation that they are going in the wrong direction and they repent and they find themselves having that same momentum drive them back to the Lord. And the cool thing about the wind of grace and the cool thing about restoration is it doesn't just bring you back to your original state. It actually takes you greater, it takes you to a place greater than before you even ever sinned. And I have, to let you, I have to let you guys understand this. I have to let you guys understand this because literally speaking, if, if I went back to the original state, if I went back to the original state, then I would go back to infant Alvin. Wah, wah, wah. You know, I haven't done these bad things, but I'm still, I don't have a lot of power. I don't have a lot of might. I don't have a lot of ability. But the restoration that happens when you, when you choose grace is, let's say I'm 40, which I'm not. Let's say I'm 40. I'm 37. Let's say I'm 40, and, and uh, I repent, and I find myself on this wind of grace, and the Lord, you've heard the word restore, right? Rest, restoration. He restores me back. When I'm 40, this is how grace works, and this is how miraculous it is. When you experience restoration, you don't go, my 40-year-old self doesn't go to the uh, infant version of Alvin. God restores me back to what Alvin would have been at 40 had he had never uh, walked away from God. So God actually takes you to the version that you were called to be at that stage, which is why it says he, he, he redeems the lost time. He makes up for lost time. He doesn't make you start at square zero. He restores you into the original place that he had for you at that time. So that's why if you're, if you're 20 years old and you're like, oh my gosh, I've lost so many years in sin, the Lord restores you not back to where you were before you sinned, but to where he called you to be at that time, which is why we're always so miraculous, which is why we're always so amazed at how quick the turnaround is. Like, you talk to someone who made up their mind to follow Jesus, and it doesn't take that long for them to now be so effective because it's like the Lord restores them to the position that they were supposed to be at that point in time. Like, he, he makes it like it never even happened. And the things that you do remember somehow ends up being ammo to make you even more effective for the kingdom of God. And the same, the same uh, heartbreak that, that Satan used to give God when you were in sin, it, the, the vengeance of the Lord is he allows Satan to experience the heartbreak of seeing someone who he had now doing the will of the one who he hates. 
See, when we sin, when we sin, we are doing the will of the one who hates God. We are doing the will of the one who, who is against God. So when we do the will of God, we're doing the will of the one who is against Satan. And, and it's, it becomes this, this reverse, this reverse to where we become workers for the Lord and builders of his kingdom. And it ends up being like coal on the enemy's head. It ends up making him so, so defeated. And it shows him that he was never who he thought he could be. He is no match for God. He is not greater than God, and he is defeated, and he will be defeated. And every time someone gets saved, it reminds Satan that he messed up. It reminds Satan that he has no business challenging the goodness and the power of God. And that is what I ask for for all of you all, to make a decision that goes against the one who, who hates God and make decisions that's for him, that pleases God, that, that, that brings pleasure to his heart and to his, to his eyes and to his life. And it actually ends up restoring you to where you were called to be. So I, I want to end with one passage in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I know I'm hopping around, but this, this is, I was like, man, this is it. This is really all of it in one passage. Ezekiel 11, and then we'll be done. Are you guys all right? Okay. Ezekiel chapter 11, 16 through 20. Ezekiel 11, 16 through 20. It says, therefore say, thus says the Lord, although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. I'm going to stop there and let you know what we're talking about. Israel, even though they were God's people, even though they were the chosen people, they were in sin. And no matter how chosen you are, sin always separates you from the Lord. It doesn't matter how many people, how many scriptures you know, how many times you fasted, how many people you've led to the Lord. Sin has a wind that drives you further and further away from God. And Israel, they were chosen, they were called, they were anointed, but they were in sin. And the sin caused them all to scatter beyond where their home was. And they were in these random countries spread out all around the area. And what I love about it, it says that even when they were far off and even when they were scattered, the Lord made himself little sanctuaries in their area, which means that even when they were in their wayward state, the Lord made sure that there was a sanctuary nearby all of them should they ever decide to turn back and make things right with God. The Lord says he made himself little sanctuaries all around the different countries. So even while they were in sin, they had close access. God made sure that all of them, even in the midst of their sin, had, a, had an exit ramp nearby. All of them had a sanctuary close to them to where if they wanted to, if they chose to, they can get things back right with God. And they can, which just shows the love and mercy of God. And the way I translate that for us today, that does, it doesn't matter how far off you are with God. 
are from God. Just like he made little sanctuaries for the Israelites in their wayward places, Jesus Christ has made it possible to where you are one word. You are one choice away from making things right with God. And that's just the provision of grace. That's the He makes sure there's an exit ramp. He makes sure there's a way of escape in the deepest parts of sin. It doesn't matter how far you are off at this moment. The Lord has made a little sanctuary close to where you are. So when you choose to you can come back to God and say, I'm ready to turn things around. So that's what those little sanctuaries represent. He had these little sanctuaries in them in all these wayward countries, even while they were in exile, even while they were in rebellion. He had a sanctuary there for each of them for them to be able to access him if they chose to. Verse 17, therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. So when you repent, the same force that was scattering you will now start to gather you and assemble you back. And that's that counterwind I was talking about. Yes, sin will drive you away, but if you use that little sanctuary and pray and make things right with God, that same force will now start to gather you back to where you originally were meant to be. But remember I talked about it gets better than what you were even originally at before you sinned? This, that's where it gets to on verse uh, 18. It says, and they will go there and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them. So now we're talking about extra stuff. We're not just saying I'll bring you back home and things will be the way they used to be. It says, I will bring you back home and I'm going to give you new things that you didn't have before. I'm going to bring a unity that you guys didn't have before. I'm going to put a new spirit inside of you that you didn't have before, even before you sinned. I'm going to put something new in you and I'm going to take the stony heart of, your, of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh and that, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But so, so that shows the power of restoration. Some of us think that, you know, if, let's say we spill some of our water and the Lord restores us to where we have that water that we spilt out. That's not how God's restoration works. He's the God of more than enough. He doesn't just fill you back up to where you're full. He will actually keep pouring to where you will overflow. Before you sin, you might have just been full. But when you repent and come back, you will actually overflow and be greater than you were before you walked away. That's just the grace of God. That's why we sing a song called Amazing Grace. Because it is amazing. It's like, wait, I thought you were just going to forgive me of my sins. I didn't know that you were actually going to promote me and decorate me and give me more than I had before I messed up. That's what, that's what perplexes people. That's what makes us go, wait, that's what made the prodigal son confused. He's like, I just wasted all your money. And because I came back, you're giving me more than what I had before I even lost your money. Like, that's amazing grace. Remember how Paul said, as amazing as it is, it's not, it can't handle you sinning too at the same time because it's two different directions. Verse 21 makes it very clear. It says, but as for those whose hearts follow the desire for detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their heads, says 
the Lord. So even though the Lord has the power and the grace has the power to bring you back, if you choose to not repent and you continue to follow detestable things and abominations, it will continue you in the direction that sin takes us all, and that is death, hell, the grave, separate from, separate from God. And, and my, my appeal to you all is, is get off the exit. Turn around. Use the sanctuary that the Lord has made available to you in this moment. Literally, <laughs> we're in one. Recognize the grace. Recognize the mercy. Recognize the opportunity to actually allow the wind that you're going in to turn around and you'll see that same force bring you back and beyond. He will bring you back and beyond. And I just can't make it more clear than that. My prayer is that those who, who, who are supposed to be hearing this and, and respond will, will have hearts that, that can recognize the voice of God. The word says, harden not your heart. If he's given you an out right now to turn things around, use it. If he's given you that little sanctuary, that opportunity to make a choice to turn this thing around, I'm telling you, for those anyone in the room who, who's let condemnation beat you up and you've gotten so, you've been so scared by how strong the force is that seems to drive you away from the Lord, all I got to tell you is that no force of sin is greater than grace. Grace has the power to propel you into the stratosphere beyond any height that you've ever known. The height that is seated right next to the Father in heaven. The Lord, do you know that's how high the Lord wants to take you by grace? He wants his grace to make it to where you're seated with him in heavenly places. I can't stress to you how high the grace of God wants to propel you. But you have to make that choice for yourself. And that choice is repentance. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now thanking you for your grace. We thank you, Jesus, for the grace that you purchased on the cross. When you died and rose from the grave, you gave us the gift of grace to where if we choose to, if we say yes, if we choose to go a different direction in the way that we're going, that you would draw us back with such a fierceness, such a love, such an enthusiasm. Lord, I just, I just sense how, how passionately you're going to draw us back. You're going to draw us back and you're going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. You're going to restore the years that sin robbed from us. You're going to restore it. You're going to take us beyond mercy. You're going to take us into grace that actually doesn't just wipe our sins away, which is amazing in itself. But Lord, you begin to write our story and and, and give us position in your kingdom and give us purpose and give us gifts and 
anointings and, 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 and callings and passions and directions and assignments and, and, and you make us friends. You make us your friends, God. After so many years of sinning against you, your grace is amazing, God. And I pray that every heart here, no matter their story, no matter if their sins are classified as bad things in our society or if they are what the society would call straight-laced, Lord, whatever is in this room, Lord, let everybody get a revelation of your grace. Lord, let us see you let us see you, Jesus. Open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our heart so we can see that repentance is a gift for us. Lord, let us all repent. Let us choose the counter wind that brings us back into the fold, that brings us back into holiness back into righteousness, back into purity, back into clarity, back into freedom, back into honor, back into your presence, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. a revelation of your grace God give us the courage to repent give us the courage to repent let us see the joy and gift of repentance we come against all condemnation all stubbornness all unbelief we bind those spirits in the name of Jesus and we speak faith, hope, humility, gratitude, determination, decisiveness. Choose this day the direction you want for your life. Be empowered in Jesus' name. I will build upon your it is a 
giving everybody an opportunity to make that turn to choose the counter win and run back to God through Jesus Christ the way you come back to God is through his son when you recognize his son and his sacrifice on the cross it reconciles you back to God the father your creator and he will restore your life. Remember, the restoration of God is not just bringing you back to where you were, but it takes you to where you've never been before. In Jesus' name. So if you're ready, repeat these words after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ Jesus. Say, say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for grace. Thank God for restoration. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you open up my eyes and show me show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to go around if you said yes to jesus congratulations welcome to a new direction you're going northbound now. You're no longer southbound. You're going up now. Um, 
let us know that you said yes to Jesus. If you made that decision, please don't be shy about it. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You can tell us and you can text us. Uh, text the word belong to 77411. And we just want to know that you made that decision. We've got some resources we can share if you want some support, which we believe that you need. Uh, we also have a prayer team that's going to be here to pray for you. If you have any prayer needs, please don't hesitate. That's why we are here to pray for you. You will not be a burden or in the way. You will be doing exactly why we came here, and that is for us to serve you and to pray for you. If you would like to give a tithe or offering, Thank you in advance. You can give online or our finance team can receive the offering in the back. And we have next steps today. So if you want to learn more about the church, if you want to get involved in the vision, we will be here after the second service. So you can either stick around or go get something to eat and come back. We'll be on the third floor to go through next steps with you. I love you. Uh, I pray God's blessings on your life. And let's just dismiss. Uh, Father, we love you. Lord, I pray a blessing over every person who's here. I pray a blessing over every family that is represented in this room and everybody watching online. Be with us, Lord, as we continue to get on the, the wind of grace, God, and, and bring us closer to you than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great rest of the day. I love you.